Thank you for joining us for another informative, educational, and entertaining edition of Music and Medicine with Dr. Charles Modlin, kidney transplant surgeon, board-certified urologist, public speaker, and well-known community national leader for the elimination of health disparities. Dedicated to informing you, the listening audience, about important health topics and health information that you, your family, and your community need to know while at the same time providing you with quality entertainment because music and entertainment is medicine. Dr. Marlin's co-hosts are Jerome Brown and registered nurse Jonathan Branch. And the program often includes special content expert guests. So, without further ado, here is the host of the show, Dr. Charles Marlin. Everybody out there in the listening audience, thanks for joining us for another very informative episode of Music and Medicine. This is the show where we talk about serious health matters that especially are pertinent and uh, relevant, especially to communities of color, people of color. Uh, tonight, we actually have a very important topic to discuss, um, and that relates to the topic of mental health, and in particular, mental health in the African American community and individuals. Uh, we have a very important content expert uh, with us uh, this evening, Mr. Archie Green. We're going to bring him on uh, in a second. He actually is the support and education coordinator for the organization here uh, in Cleveland. Uh, NAMI, it's the National Alliance of Mental Illness. It's actually a national organization, uh, but there is a, a very uh, relevant and very active chapter here in Cleveland and, and uh, Archie, Mr. Green is doing remarkable work with that organization. We're gonna bring him on. We're gonna hear about the work that he and his colleagues in, in NAMI are doing. Uh, it turns out actually, uh, Archie is not only our content expert, he's actually our musical uh, guest. Um, he is a, a rapper, he's a, a songwriter, a producer, uh, entertainer. So we're gonna be entertained by Archie as well. Um, before we get started, I wanna remind the listening audience, um, about the book that I wrote. It's a, uh, a mentorship, uh, career uh, success uh, navigation uh, book that I highly recommend uh, to individuals. You know, the, the school uh, opening of the school season is just right around the corner. Um, I know my daughter's going back to college at Haverford um, in the next, uh, I think next week, I believe. Uh, but my book, it's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble. It's called It Isn't Difficult to Do It If You Know How to Do It. And again, I highly recommend this book for uh, any students who are, are aspirational, who have goals that they, that they want to achieve. Uh, the title, It Isn't Difficult to Do It If You Know How to Do It, it, it actually says it all. Uh, it relates to the fact that if we, the older generation, and as, as I said before, I don't like to refer to myself as the older generation, but I guess I have to uh, accept that at this point. But if we, the older generation, can impart our wisdom, um, the knowledge that we've uh, uh, gain through our lived experiences over the years, if we can impart that wisdom on a younger person, um, we can actually help them avoid uh, many of the mistakes that we've made in life, recognizing that it's important that everybody be able to make mistakes, learn from those mistakes, overcome uh, challenges, obstacles, 
Um, that's a learning experience in and of itself, but there are some uh, challenges that uh, people don't necessarily need to go through. And individuals can actually learn from the mistakes, uh, missteps from other individuals who've actually gone before them. So I encourage uh, coaches, students, parents, grandparents um, to, to take a look at that book because I think it's a great resource that can actually help them along their uh, success journey. Um, with, with that in mind, um, I wanted to bring on my co-host, uh, Mr. Jerome uh, Brown. Are you there, Jerome? Oh, yeah, I'm here, buddy. Yeah, good, good. I heard you've uh, been very busy uh, over the past uh, several weeks. You look in the dictionary, you look <laughs> up busy. <laughs> yeah. There you have it, Jerome Brown, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm happy today, you know, of course, you know, it was a good day. And I'm happy about the topic of discussion today because this one, out of all the topics and all the shows we've done, Doc, probably is the one that most appeals or most fit everybody uh, listening and on this uh, panel today as well. Uh, we all can relate to the mental illness side of things. We all have to control our own urges and thoughts and stuff like that. Everybody isn't able to do that. So hopefully today the listening audience can figure out some ways that it's going to help them in their personal lives and their personal challenges. And that's what we're here for. And, and, you know, Jerome, I, I can attest, I wanted to, uh, to, and I think I mentioned this before, I always um, gain valuable information uh, from your insight on, on these topics. Um, um, you're very knowledgeable. You have a lot of lived experiences. And so I really uh, value uh, your input and uh, we're looking forward to, what you have to say. I, I think, um, you know, one challenge that a lot of us have, um, a lot of individuals out there, there's a lot of, this is, these, these are difficult times uh, in which we're going through. Indeed. Um, and I, I think it, a lot of times it's very important for, for us to have uh, hobbies, uh, things that we can uh, do to help us escape the, the realities of life uh, in, in a sense. I, I know uh, you do a lot of fishing. Th this is a, uh, <laughs> this is just a, a harvest, one, one day's harvest from my tomatoes that I We're that I'm growing. I, need, I, need a, I like BLT sandwiches, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I need a couple of them tomatoes from a BLT. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna hook up and I'm gonna give you these. All right, that'll work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I know you have a um, Pat. You're, you're very active in your pastime of fishing. I know. I know. Uh, you're fishing an is fisher. one. You, you yeah. know, Doc. Us is. Men, if you want to say it, sometimes we need a break too. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So fishing is just one of my outlets. I have a whole bunch of different stuff that I do to make sure that if I'm going to do for everybody, I must take care of myself and I must be happy. If I'm not happy, then when I do the work for others or my regular line of work, then it won't be as authentic, right. shall I say, you know, so I make sure I take care of myself, which I encourage everybody. Don't ever be too busy to not take care of yourself and make yourself happy. Nobody else makes you happy. You make you happy. That's a uh, very profound and, and that, that's great advice. So, you know, as I said, we're going to, we're going to have Archie green on. He's with the uh, national Alliance uh, for, for mental, mental illness. Um, and I actually recommend that everybody go to their website, NAMI Greater Cleveland. Uh, they're, they're, it's a, such a great resource and there's so much information uh, in terms of how individuals can um, 
um, get access to support services that they know. But I wanted to read a little bit about uh, what what um, they talk about on their um, website regarding Black African American mental health. Um, so just give me a minute here to read this, but I, because I think it's very important. Then we're going to bring our guest on. So it says, what happens at the intersection of mental health and one's experience as a member of the Black community? While the experience of being Black in America varies tremendously, there are shared cultural factors that play a role in helping define mental health and supporting well-being, resiliency, and healing. Parts of this shared cultural experience, family connections, values, expression through spirituality or music, reliance on community and religious networks are enriching and can be a great can be great sources of strength and support. How, however, another part of this shared experience, being subject to racism, discrimination, and in inequality can significantly affect a person's mental health. Being treated or perceived as less than because of the color of your skin can be stressful and even traumatizing. Additionally, members of the black community face structural challenges, assessing the care and treatment that they need. And so they go on to talk about how African-Americans uh, have twice the incidence of uh, mental um, health um, uh, concerns, uh, higher rates of anxiety, stress, depression. It says, uh, despite the needs, only one in three black adults with mental illness received treatment. Um, and so there are a lot of disparities. A lot of the disparities are related to uh, social determinants of health. Uh, in 2020, 10.4% of black adults in the United States had no form of health insurance. If you don't have health insurance, Oftentimes, it's difficult to not only access your, your physical health needs, but your mental health needs. And, you know, on top of that, there's some also issues in the black in the black community around stigma, stigmatization uh, around mental health, um, you know, provider bias, uh, inequality of care uh, that, that many uh, uh, people of color uh, receive. And so, I mean, these are just some of the issues that. Um, you know, we're, we're going to talk about and as to why, um, you know, it's very important for the black community to to understand the, the importance of um, looking at and addressing one's mental health. So with that in mind, can we bring, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Archie Green to the stage? Hello, hello. Hello, you guys hello. hear me? <laughs> oh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, thanks for All joining right. us. Yeah, I'm All here. Right for having me. Yeah, we're here with uh, Jerome Brown, our, our our, our co-host and we're really Man. honored to have you there and i heard some um some really great insight from jerome just in, in talking about the importance for us as men to take breaks too you know fishing i never took up fishing I'm, that's something i might have to give a try jerome well fishing is about feeding your family you know got it if the worst case scenario everything goes haywire got it go got get it. us something to eat you know what i mean that's, that's the real. first and then I like water. So the water and water is energy. Mm -hmm. Light is energy. Water is energy. Wind is energy. So you get all of those elements. And if you know how to channel your energy beyond this earth, you can you can dial in on some of that stuff there because it's, it's far out, man. Man, nobody has ever broken down fishing like that. You maybe want to go fishing now. <laughs> yeah, it's therapeutic, bro. You know, yeah, I could tell. I could tell. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell. Yes. Yeah. So, Archie, um, tell us a little bit about, you know, your background, how you came about, you know, getting involved in, in you know, helping others with their mental health concerns. Just give us a little bit about background about yourself. Sure. So my story, as far as my background in mental health, started with 
my own lived experience. Um, I had been experiencing depression for most of my life, undiagnosed. Um, you know, I didn't know it. I didn't know what depression was. Um, you know, I grew up in Cleveland by way of a small suburban town, Chagrin Falls. Um, so I grew up, it's a predominantly white neighborhood. So, you know, I was a token black kid growing up, um, experienced mm -hmm. a lot of racism, a lot of bias. Um, and, uh, you know, eventually I transferred to a more diverse uh, suburb called Solon, uh, where I ended up graduating from. But even there, when I first got there, I experienced um, being ostracized by the black kids. You know, I was finally in a situation where it's like, OK, I'm finally around kids that look like me. But they're like, oh, why you talk white? Why are you so articulate and all these different things? And, um, and so that was when I was first really confronted with depression in terms of um, and I just want to say now, like some of the things I'm going to share for the viewers, um, I just want to ensure it may trigger you. So if you have to walk away or turn um, turn the pause the video, uh, please feel the need to do that. Um, but it was at this time when I experienced some of the same issues in Solon. Um, you know, I've been doing music since I was 13 years old. So I was doing music and I wrote a song about taking my own life, you know, and this for me was a form of release therapy. Like at that time, yeah. I didn't know what therapy was, but I was like, this is what I feel. And so I just wanted to express myself. I didn't actually have a plan to take my own life. I didn't act on it. I never cut myself or anything of that nature, but it was a song. And I actually suppressed that memory for years until I started telling my story um, publicly about what had happened to me. I had a very low perception of self. You know, there was, yeah. uh, you know, there was a time, third grade, I was still at Chagrin Falls. Um, I had that yearbook and because of the way that others looked at me and because I didn't really love myself the way I do now, I actually defamed my own face in the yearbook. I, I drew in permanent marker, I drew the devil's horns and the mustache and the beard on my own picture. That's how low I looked at myself at that time. Um, and so, you know, eventually I graduated from Solon, ended up going to Morehouse College uh, down in Atlanta, uh, came back home, was working at a bank, uh, hated that job. I always wanted to be in the music. I always wanted to do that. So that definitely kind of contributed to me feeling low about life. Um, but eventually I applied and got into a music business program at New York University. Um, I got to NYU changed my life, just loved being in New York and the experiences there. Um, and then eventually after I graduated, I ended up um, uh, having to come back home because I had two degrees, no job. So this was the lowest point in my life. I had two degrees, no job, had to move back home with my parents. I broke up with my then fiance, a woman I had been with for five years. Um, and I had to find it. I just had to find a job. So at this point, I'm in Aurora, which, you know, for those out of towners listening, it's about 45 minutes outside of downtown Cleveland. Um, finally did get a job. Um, but at this time, because of how low, you know, my life was, I was really experiencing a lot of alcoholism. I was drinking every day. I was smoking. I was engaging in some really toxic behavior. Um, and, you know, uh, eventually... You know, and the thing about it is I had a lot of close calls, you know, uh, looking back on how I was back then versus who I am and how I am now is like night and day. Um, you know, I was the kind of guy, you know, I would, you know, pregame at the crib, 
then go to somebody else's crib to link up, drink some more, hop in the whip, drive down to the event, drink some more, party, and then drive home. That was my norm. And I experienced there were times where I'd be behind the wheel, I'd fall asleep, you know, with my foot on the brake. Sometimes I'd fall asleep and, you know, I'd bump into the car in front of me. The craziest thing that actually happened, you know, and this was like, yo, like you really have a problem, but I still wasn't paying attention to my health. Um, you know, because again, I was depressed. I just wasn't feeling, I wasn't loving myself. Um, at one point I got so drunk that I pulled off on the Newburgh Heights exit coming back home from a party. And for those that don't know, the Newburgh Heights police department is right there. So I pull off and I fall asleep at the wheel, my foot on the brake. And I wake up to a knock on my window saying, sir, you know, you know, you fell asleep at the wheel, you know, like, and the police station's right here. Um, and, you know, again, I got another chance because he told me basically all I had to do was find someone to, to call someone to come pick me up. Uh, and I would come and get my car the next day, uh, which ended up happening. I called one of my friends, picked me up 4 a.m., took me to his place, slept for three hours, took me back. Picked up my car, went home, changed, went to work. That was my daily. That was my every day. Like I was really in the throes of depression. Um, but you know what really triggered me into getting on this path? The traumatic experience that really confronted me with my depression uh, happened Thanksgiving of that year. So this was around Thanksgiving, 2013. At this point, I had been home for probably about three or four months. Um, and so I'm also Greek. I'm a member of Omega Psi Phi Fraternity Incorporated. Okay. Um, and at this time, the bros had, you know, hadn't seen me in a while since I had been back home. And so they were like, hey, bro, you know, why don't you come down to the frat house, have a couple drinks, a couple laughs. Um, so I came down to the frat house and, you know, we have a liquor license, but, you know, uh, it is a frat house. So, you know, when, when the is pouring up, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? So I, I drank a lot. I drank far beyond what I should have. Um, and, you know, the first sign that it was there were serious issues was I when I was backing out of the driveway, I backed into another brother's car, you know. Oh, and, boy. Um, so that was a sign like, you know, this brother should not be driving. But because everybody was so lit, I ended up, you know, pulling off. Uh, and on my way home, again, I'm, I'm driving towards Aurora from Cleveland. You know, it's on... Uh, 152nd St. Clair to Aurora. So I was about to hit 271 uh, and I got pulled over. Um, and, you know, somebody had called because I was swerving. Uh, and, you know, I failed the field sobriety test, blew well above the limit. Uh, and I was placed in handcuffs and taken to jail. And, you know, it was the worst night of my life. And um, I was crying my eyes out that night. You know, I was thinking to myself, like, how how did I end up here? You know, a guy who grew up in a two parent home, a guy who was God fearing, a guy who, you know, got not only one, but two degrees with honors, um, you know, on paper, everything was was beautiful. Like, you know, what I'm saying. And um, and so I'm crying my eyes out. I called my parents to come bail me out, which thankfully I had parents to call to come and bail me out. And, you know, while I'm sitting in there in that jail cell, um, you know, there was a voice that came to me 
uh, and the voice said uh, two things to me. And, and this voice, you know, you can call it God, you can call it, um, you know, uh, the Holy Spirit, the universe. You know, that voice also was me. It was It was my inner self, you know, the, the, the voice of someone that loved me. And that voice said two things. The first thing it said was to stop crying. The second thing that it said was they can trap your body, but they can't trap your mind. And I didn't understand how prophetic that that statement was uh, until years later, you know, with the work that I'm doing now. And so, you know, after this, I, you know, I, I went through the worst bout of depression I'd ever experienced in my life in terms of, um, you know, going through suicidal ideation, questioning why am I here? Why would God put me through this? You know, my license was suspended for a year, so I can only drive to work from home. I'm in Aurora, so I felt like a burden to my family, my friends. If I wanted to go out, I'd have to call people to come pick me up and then drop me off at the end of the night. So I started self-isolating. Um, I started sleeping in my, you know, my, staying in my bed all day, you know, not picking up my cell phone, which felt like a brick next to my next to my bed. I was in the throes of depression. And eventually... Uh, my sister and I, we moved to Shaker Heights. We were renting a house and we hosted Thanksgiving that next year. And after dinner, um, I experienced my very first panic attack. So, you know, I started getting claustrophobic. My heart was heart rate was going crazy. And, um, you know, I had to rush up to my room to be alone. Um, and I knew something was seriously wrong. Um, and at that same time, around that same time, Another fraternity brother of mine reached out to me and had asked if I'd ever gone to therapy before. And so I was like, well, you know, I thought about it, but it's not something that, you know, I personally had ever really thought was for me because I'd never seen anyone that looked like me or looked like us talk about therapy, talk about mental health. And so I decided I found uh, a therapist through my employer, uh, my employer assistant, program. Um, and I, at that point, I was clinically diagnosed with major depressive disorder and generalized anxiety disorder. Um, and over the next few years, I learned how to cope uh, with my mental illness through therapy. Um, and after learning how to cope, um, I started, you know, feeling like myself again. Um, and as any artist would, I channeled it into my art. Um, and I wrote a song called Layers uh, about my experience going to therapy, specifically from the experience of a black male, specifically from the experience of a, of a rapper. Um, the song went viral um, and inspired me to start um, you know, doing this type of advocacy work in the community, specifically for the black and brown community. So I started my organization, built them layers back uh, around that time. This was 2016. Uh, we, uh, you know, our mission is to educate, equip and empower black men and boys with the tools to live a mentally healthy life through hip hop culture. Um, and so we were doing concerts, we were doing panel discussions, workshops, um, and, you know, we, we continue to grow with our non-conventional approach uh, to mental health. And, you know, eventually I caught wind of NAMI National. Um, and, you know, I, once I found out about our, our Cleveland affiliate, and I was like, man, like, you know, more people here that look like me need to know about NAMI, need to know about the resources that NAMI provides. And so the first thing that we did in 2020, my organization partnered with NAMI Greater Cleveland. We did a program called The Root of It All. It was virtual. 
it was like a virtual conference concert so there's performances there were also speakers um, that spoke on mental health um, and you know getting to the root of certain trauma um, and then after shortly thereafter i found out that there was a position for support and education coordinator uh, that was open and i wanted to really you know get in on the ground floor and and learn more about uh, you know the type of work that NAMI does, as well as advocate within the organization. And so I joined the organization uh, February of last year. And as support and education coordinator, I'm responsible for producing educational programs as well as facil facilitating support groups for uh, community members here in Greater Cleveland. That's quite a remarkable story. And and you know I'm going to tell you. You need to put that into a book form. That, that, oh that, yeah, <laughs> that is a remarkable story. That, that, yeah. that, would, that would probably be a little bit more interesting even than, than my book. I, I would I have, to, I have to say, <laughs> you know, it, it's it's very moving. I, I could listen to you all day. Yeah, uh, thank you. It's very that very was moving. wild. That was wild, yeah. man. You know, yeah, um, yeah. You're, you're blessed uh, yes. to be able to even. Sometimes I look at it like this: some people don't even have the awareness to even realize that there is a problem. Those are the people that really, really need the help because they don't even know how to figure it out. You were blessed with the, at least the awareness to be able to say, hey, let me figure this out here. And with that, God looks out for you, man. You, it's an outstanding uh, comeback for real. I'm telling you, man, you hit the nail on the head. And um, it, it was, man, it was it took me years and it took God sparing my life. Yes. Putting me in a jail cell for me to realize, oh, I really have a problem. Like, I really need to, you know, I need to stop drinking. But also, most importantly, I need to love myself. That was whenever, I, whenever I tell my story, I always tell people this is not a story of trauma. It's a story of triumph because I'm still here. I love myself enough to wake up and keep going. You know what I'm saying? And so, yeah, man, it was. And that's the thing. You know, sometimes like. Life is the best teacher. That's what they say. Life is the best teacher, and life definitely taught me. Yeah, but 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 I'll say also somebody who has been through it, is, such as yourself. I mean, you've experienced all this, and you have even a greater potential than than a physician, perhaps even a, a psychiatrist, behavioral health um, or mental health, um, you know, trained psychiatrist or psychologist. Um, to be able to have a positive impact and and be influential in terms of encouraging others. Um, to address their own mental health concerns or, or to, to admit, like Jerome said, to admit that they have a problem. Yes. Um, you as an advisor, a, a counselor, um, you know, providing guidance to, to individuals out there. I mean, you're, you're somebody that, that um, the community can, can access. And, and yes. you know, you look like a lot of the people out there who need help. Um, and again, you, you've seen it firsthand. My father always said, uh, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom. Um, to be able to understand that you have a problem. Yes. And, you know, you said when you were, uh, you know, put in handcuffs that one that one night, um, that that's the point when you realize that you needed help. That was it, man. That was, uh, you know, and, and, and the other thing I can say, uh, you know, thank you for your kind words, Doc. Um, you know, the thing I can say is that is primarily, you know, my approach to mental health awareness and advocacy is I don't want to look uh, like I don't, I'm not speaking for the people and I'm not connected to the people that I serve, you know, and there are so many black men 
just like me that have gone through these type of experiences or even worse um, that feel alone and that feel like, well, you know, or that feel like mental health is not for them. Right. And so because there's not enough black men that speak publicly about mental mm -hmm. health there, you know, there's definitely been an uptick um, over the past uh, five, six years, but we're still not, it's still not totally normalized. And so like I made a declaration that whatever room I walk into, whatever conversations that I have with people, I'm just going to be myself. I'm going to be authentically myself. And I love hip hop. Hip hop is everything to me. And so I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to live that wherever I am. And that's what really helps me to connect with and so, you know, with that in mind, I'll just say one thing, you know, the, the leading cause of death in, in individuals ages 15 to 45 now is fentanyl overdose, overdosage. And, and so it's even getting more dangerous out there, you know, more so than just, you know, um, alcohol or alcoholism, which, which is very dangerous in and of itself. But mm -hmm. it's also magnified now by a lot of these um, designer drugs that are out there um, in the streets. Yeah. Um, but, but I wanted to say, you know, I, I think your your music has actually helped you transform your life as well and the lives of others. Um, so I think you have um, some samples of your music that you uh, can share with our, our audience uh, this evening. Is that do you have something Absolutely. that you can share? Yeah, Absolutely. So um, my most recent album um, is called Cope Dealer. So it's a play on words, C-O-P-E. Cope Dealer, not the other one. Um, and it came out last July. So it, it, we just celebrated our first year anniversary. Um, and, you know, the song really or the whole album delves into um, the experiences that we as black men uh, experience as far as trauma, depression, anxiety, as well as songs of aspiration, fatherhood, relationship goals, things of that nature. Um, but I'm also a firm believer that, you know, you really can do anything that you put your mind to. Um, and one of the things that I always live by is if you have a plan, you know, you dream about it first, but then you write it down and then you make it happen. And uh, the sample of the song um, excerpt that I wanted to bring uh, to you guys is, is a song called Write It Down. So let, let's hear it. Let's hear it. Right. Class is the life. Write it down. Watch it come around. What you know about dreams? What you know about it? Couldn't picture ill life fulfilled without them. Only reason I still write to build a palace. My art is more than some still life. I'm over mountains. Stuck in my youth, I guess I found a fountain Chasing dreams, any means, you can call him Malcolm He was born in the land, raised in the falls A black sheep amongst wolves, but he's standing tall Remember Michael Jackson posters on the wall Moonwalking everywhere and floor up in the halls Audition talent shows, waiting for the calls Nerves going hammer pants, had me by the balls Began rapping so the beats never had a pause All our hearts beating, but some of us don't have a pulse Took the blinders off, amazing grace. God done signed my name in a major way. Write it down, 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 write it down. Now watch it come around. Yeah, watch it come around. Write it down, 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 write it down. 
Now watch it come around. Yeah, man. Okay. You muted now. You muted. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah, no, I, I was just saying that that's fantastic. Makes you want to move. It's got a great. Yes. Beat, you know. <laughs> thank you. So Appreciate what, that. when I when I operate in in the operating room, I, I love to listen to music. That that's something I can listen oh, to. Oh man. You know. That, yo. Yeah. yeah. That's a good soundtrack for you. Yeah. Next time you're in the operating room, that's a good soundtrack right yeah. there. So so where can we get that? Where where can your audience pick that up? So uh, the Cope Dealer is uh, that album is available on all streaming services. So you can find it on Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music, um, you know, on SoundCloud. Um, and, you know, that song is called Write It Down. Um, the whole project, uh, like I said before, um, you know, it, it serves as not just a project um, to listen to where you learn about you know, or you hear from the different experiences that we as black men face in terms of the trauma, depression, but also how to cope with that, you know, how to work through those things um, through this song. And and it actually, you know, served as a backdrop for a, a program um, that um, my nonprofit uh, just launched with the same name, the Cope Dealer Initiative. Jerome, this guy is brilliant. Oh, yeah. He, oh, yeah. He, he's brilliant. You know what I like? You represent um the the kid that's in the suburb the african-american kid that's in the suburb that doesn't have anybody currently there's kids just like you young archies that are sitting in their room right now they're facing racism they're facing uh being judged from their own peers that's, that's there so it's like it's great to see somebody a success story come up out of that situation um I'm not quite at that situation, but it's kind of similar because I did go to Bedford. I, I did go to Maple, but my stint up there was very short, you know, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. so I, I do understand. And I thank you for, like I said, pulling yourself out of that because we hear the other story and yeah. the other story is posted on the remembrance page. That's the mm -hmm. other story. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you have a, a puddle of water, pile of gold. You mm -hmm. was able to come from that puddle to achieve the pot of gold, which is life and to love yourself. So shout out to you, man. Man, thank you for saying that. You know, it's funny. One of my first rap names was Burbs because I was from the suburbs. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, you know, eventually I, you know, I decided to just go by my government name. But you're absolutely right, man. And, and, and that was when I first started rapping, that was one of the biggest, you know, chips on my shoulder was because I wasn't at that time I started rapping granted I've been rapping over 20 years you know at that time it was like you weren't hearing about any rappers from the suburbs you know if no. you had no street cred if you hadn't Nothing. you know been in the street it was like you know and then when Kanye came out then it was like okay like I could actually rap from my perspective you know and kind of be myself um right. you know in this thing and um but yeah man I, I i tried my best to be a reflection and you know the whole gamut man i was a jack and jill kid all of that like i yeah. I, I grew up you know upper middle class everything but at the same time i experienced real trauma you know and yeah and where i grew up too you know jerome you, you you brought something up very very important yeah that i that i've noticed and and oftentimes these black kids brown kids out in the burbs are it, it's 
the, the, the false, the falsehood is that a lot of people think that they don't have any needs, that they're rich, they're wealthy, they have everything, all the needs, they, they're not going hungry. Um, you know, there, there are a lot of, and again, rightly so, there are a lot of foundations that want to focus in on just, you know, the inner city kids or predominantly the inner city kids, but we, we have to stop and realize there are black and brown kids out there in the suburbs, both male and females, um, yeah. that are, have been forgotten. They, they have needs also. Yes, uh, you do. can't just assume that they're wealthy and, and, and being taken care of because that's not the case. I want you guys to envision something. You have a brick apartment building in the projects. You have a child in, in the room, okay? In the room, all right? You have a $500,000 home in Solon, okay? It looks beautiful outside. But if you zero in, there's still a child in the same type of room. Mm. Once you close that door to that room, that child is isolated in both situations. Mm. That's what that's where the mental problem is, because once that door is closed, he or she tunes into what's on TV, what the game is. It doesn't matter what's outside. Johnny out in Solon don't know that his house has a $25,000 roof on it. It doesn't matter to him. He is in his room. And if you don't make that household healthy, that mm. room can be his tomb in a, in a sense, you know, so. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and, a, and a lot of times, you know, like, like Archie said, I mean, you're, you're made to believe that you're um, an, an oddball, you know, yeah. not a lot of people, you know, look like you who are around you. And, and that actually that can affect your self-esteem, makes you start doubting yourself. Um, not not loving yourself, hating yourself, yeah. and that's a vicious spiral. It's very difficult to hurt how to climb, you know, how to climb out of it. And and to that point, Archie, I know that you've um, uh, developed a specific eight week program um, where you're addressing a lot of these mental health needs uh, of especially black boys. Can you tell us a little bit about that that particular program? Sure. Yeah. So um, so the album uh, Cope Dealer actually is the, the foundational piece for. Um, a 10-week program of the same name, Cope Dealer Initiative. Uh, we launched it in November of last year. We ended up partnering with uh, Theodore Roosevelt High School in Kent, Ohio, um, where we, we got eight young men, um, black males, uh, to participate in this program. And over the course of the 10 weeks, uh, we had um, two different types of sessions with them. Uh, you know, one uh, that would happen during the school day uh, where they would meet with a Cope Dealer facilitator. Uh, and the other one was their creative, uh, you know, Cope Dealer sessions uh, where um, I would come in and, you know, help them on, you know, expressing themselves creatively based on what they've learned. Um, and so our Cope Dealer facilitator was an African-American male licensed social worker. So someone who, you know, has the licensure to address, um, you know, and to offer any type of prevention. Um, for mental health services for these youth. Um, you know, there was um, some, you know, some things that happened during our program the first day, actually. I mean, again, it showed that we were at the right place at the right time. One of our students um, had actually brought an unloaded pellet gun to school. And so um, before our program even started, uh, you know, he was arrested in front of his classmates by two uniformed SWAT uh, Caucasian officers. Um, and so imagine being in that situation, you know, and, you know, the thoughts that might be racing through your head um, and not being able to talk to anyone about it or not being able to relate to anyone. 
Well, because our facilitator was there, he was able to snap into social worker mode to have a conversation and intervention with these young men at this very moment um, to help them process what they just experienced. You know, the, the type of traumatic occurrences that happen every day for black men to see it like with one of your classmates. Um, and so and then conversely, at the end of the program, you know, uh, our, our boys were accused of stealing a wallet. By you know the school print one of the school principals, a police officer. You know, we've, of course, you know the actual you know theft was a prank. You know, the wallet wasn't even near where we had been meeting uh, as a group. Um, and at you know at the end of this program, conversely from the beginning, you know in the beginning these boys were like you know some were numb to it. You know, experiencing uh, one of their friends being arrested. Some of them were angry. Um, and at the end, you know, the way they addressed the police officer, you know, saying that they didn't feel served or protected, they were very diplomatic about their approach, respectful uh, with their approach. And with our, when our facilitator asked them, you know, how did, how do, how you that guys feeling? How are we feeling about everything? They said, you know, we really believe we we handled it better this time than the last time. So this program not only, you know, helps these young men through coping with anxiety, coping with depression, offering practical coping mechanisms through this core curriculum. You know, we also address dismantling white supremacy and preach the importance of self-love and looking at yourself as a king. And so, you know, we're respectful to whoever we talk to um, and understand when, when things are wrong, when a police officer is in the wrong to respectfully tell him so. Um, and so we we're training these we're training these young men on how to protect themselves from all of the things bearing down on them from the you know from our culture from social media you know the constant you know scrolling a timeline and seeing black men killed or black men arrested you know looking like we're inferior to everyone when in reality we're kings you know, and, and we are worthy of praise and we're worthy of doing great things and we can do great things through God who strengthens us. So, you know, that was that's really what, you know, it, it started with just an idea. I had been working on the, the album and I was like, man, this album can be used for like a, a, a class. I mean, you're starting to hear more and more about uh, hip hop artists and hip hop catalogs being taught at Harvard or different colleges. And I was like, man, this could be like a course that could be offered in schools across the nation because we're using something so familiar and so cool like hip hop that appeals to everyone. It's the most influential art form in the world. But we're also introducing something unfamiliar that can help these young men process their emotions, whether it's doing a meditation, whether it's saying your daily mantra, which we had each of our boys do, or having your brothers, you know, being a cope dealer means I recognize the mental illness within myself, but I also recognize it, the mental illness within my brother and my sister, and I help lift them back up, you know, if I see that. And so we, we finished the program in March, um, you know, our boys, uh, they decided, so um, in, a, in addition to them learning about coping mechanisms and listening to the album and and watching short videos uh, tied to the subject matter, they had a creative project that they came together on uh, where they decided to record a mixtape. And they call themselves the Cope Kings, um, five original songs. You know, some of these guys had never 
been to a studio. Some of these guys had never written a rap lyric or written a song. And, you know, they they use that pain as fuel to express themselves creatively. And they did this project, which is it's up on uh, SoundCloud as well. It's called Cope Kings. Kings spelled with a Z. Um, and then they also designed their own T-shirt. So the, the program is not just an educational program, not just a mental health program. It is also a creative uh, incubator. So mm-hmm. we're also teaching these young men how to get money, like how to make a living. You know, and not just on stage, but how to become a graphic designer, how to book a show, how to be a manager. So we're also, really, really. you know, they walked away, uh, you know, the, they ended up performing at the Kent State uh, Juneteenth Jubilee. It was their first public performance together. And we had their T-shirts at our vendor table. And I told these guys, I was like, look, like whatever T-shirts you sell, you pocket that money. That's your money. Mm-hmm. So these young men. Is walking up to total strangers with t-shirts in hand. Hey, we got these t-shirts we designed. It was so inspiring to see them like lit up, you know, and yeah. selling and moving something that they created, you know. And right. so we're 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 you know we're we're changing lives, but we're also showing them the possibilities. Uh, I'll tell you what. I mean, Jerome, I, I personally would like to meet these young men. I, I would like to contribute. Um, sponsor, you know, your program. Uh, but I would also like to contribute um, in terms of being able to speak with these young men about important health um, matters, yeah. um, inform them about, you know, what type of health screenings they need to get at what age. We start. We have to start educating these young men um, at early ages so that when they reach a certain age, they're going to know uh, at what age they need to get screened for prostate cancer, at, mm. at what age they're at most risk for developing testicular cancer, Mm-hmm. and need to be performing that self-testicular examination. They're going to know about what is a normal blood pressure. I mean, these are all very important things. And, and you're teaching them about the importance of stress reduction and how to mitigate that. And, you know, we all know that um, long-term stress, anxiety, depression can actually uh, translate in, into physical manifestations of disease. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a supporter of your program. I'd like to participate oh, yeah. any way I can. I would actually like to encourage the listening audience out there. We are going to rebroadcast this. It's going to be up on Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, YouTube Live. But I would encourage you out there in the listening audience to encourage um, your your network, your colleagues, your friends, your families to find this program even after it's broadcast live. Click on it because there's so much important uh, information to connect that, that actually is transforming. You're, you're transforming the lives of these people that you're laying hands on. You, you actually found your mission in life and not everybody has this is an opportunity that. to do that. You, you, this is your calling. Uh, yeah. This, this is your calling. And, and I really appreciate, uh, you know, what you're doing. So I, I think you have another piece of, uh, uh, music that we might uh, be able to hear. Is that, is that right? Sure. Yeah. So this is actually, and thank you again, um, you know, Dr. Modlin, Jerome, for having me um, on the show. You know, it's an honor. Um, you you know, you're a legend. You're a, a Cleveland legend. So to be on this forum uh, with you to have this conversation is an honor um, to be here. So I'm grateful. Um, but yeah, this next song, um, it's actually a music video. Uh, the song is called Precious Metal. And, you know, the concept behind the song, um, you know, it's primarily tied to dismantling white supremacy, 
uh, precious metal being, you know, the precious cargo, the precious metal that our ancestors were when we were, you know, wrongfully uh, taken from our homes and brought here to this country um, and how we are, we continue to be mistreated um, in this country. And when I wrote this song um, and I, when I put this video together, this wasn't really for us and us speaking for, you know, for black folk, this was for so-called allies. This was written around the time where the Black Lives Matter thing was happening. You saw more and more companies and, you know, and, and white friends that would, you know, say Black Lives Matter and get the bumper stickers and all of that. And it's like, you know, this was like, if you're truly an ally, if you're truly an ally, you know, then when we're not around, when we're not in the room, are you still saying Black Lives Matter? Are you still calling out any type of racist rhetoric or anything that might be out there? And so this song is is basically about the continued injustice for our black brothers and sisters and and praying for, uh, you know, a solution. Um, but we can't we can't just do it on our own. We need our, our allies to help us out. So this is called Precious Metal. Thank you. Started in the meadows, we were born kings and queens, and battled by the devils. Chains upon our lives and our dreams, our lives are precious metal. Look at all the joy we bring, don't own it. Seems all he own is sorrow, no brighter tomorrows. All he want is to own a piece of pieces borrow. You know the story, black boy shot, either killed by vigilantes or even worse cops. Petition for arrest, finally brought to trial. Conviction overruled, we live in denial. Sometimes I wonder why the f we even protest. A black so beautiful porcelain so grotesque. Chains upon our lives and our dreams Our lives are precious metal Look at all the joy we bring Now we're in the middle Don't own a damn thing Seems all she own is sorrow, no brighter tomorrows All she want is to own a piece of pieces borrow You know the story, black girl shot Either killed by vigilantes or even worse cops Petition for arrest, no sign of a trial Criminal act overlooked, we live in denial Sometimes I wonder why the f we even protest Our black so beautiful porcelain we grotesque We were born kings and queens And battled by the devil Chains upon our lives and our dreams Our lives are precious metal Look at all the joy that we bring Now we're in the middle Don't own Why we even try Since justice equals lies Tears rushing from my eyes I'm sorry your reply Why we even try Since justice equals lies Tears rushing from my eyes I'm sorry your reply We started in the meadows We were born kings and queens And battled by the devils Chains upon our lives and our dreams Our lives are precious metal Look at all the joy we bring And now she's in the middle just another casualty
Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> That's a That's lot. We are today, you, you guys. That's where we are. Yeah. So, so you know. yes. Thank you, Archie Green, um, for making a difference in in the lives of countless numbers of individuals uh, that you touch on a daily basis and the people we're going to see actually this this broadcast. I mean, thanks for opening up, you know, your your story, your background. Um, I, I know in many respects that may be difficult to to tell, you know, your story. You've been through a lot, uh, but you've been resilient. And um, you, you talked about how the, the the hand of the Holy Spirit and God actually, you know, helped lift you up. Um, you know, what what are your what are your final thoughts, uh, Jerome? What I mean, this has been remarkable. Well, you know, I thank you for not giving up. You know, you could have gave up. You could have said, I, I don't, I can't do this. Um, I thank you for continuing to uh, make sure that you're healthy mentally, which was important. You can't help anybody else if you're not stable yourself. Otherwise, you'll give them bad information. So uh, you got to be doing something right, bro. You know, and that's God protecting you for the rest of your journey because you've chosen to do those right things. Cause it doesn't have to go this way. You know, there's another option and I don't think we want to deal with that other side of, you know, so you continue what you're doing, man. It's, it's very impressive. And I thank you for coming on, on this very important uh, music and medicine. Yeah. Thank, thank you very guys much. so much. Um, the last thing I just really quick wanted to say was, uh, you know, what I experienced, what I went through, um, is more common than people think. Like exactly. there's so many, every single person has their own story, has their own testimony. Um, and the main thing, again, that I want to reiterate is whatever trauma you're going through is triumph. Because if you're if you're listening to this right now, that means you love yourself enough to still be here. So be encouraged. It's not struggle, it's success. Um, and remember, the most important person that you need to love first is yourself. We all have to remember that. Thank you very much. I think um, we should end it on that note because that's a bottom line, bro. Absolutely. So before we end, uh, Jerome, I want to recognize Hawk 2 Productions. Um, ooh, Russell ooh, Johnson. Ooh. Yeah, Russell Johnson yeah, behind yeah. the scene. Shout out to Russ. Shout out to Russ. Um, I, I have to give a shout out to NYU. I did my internship and residency at NYU, so we have nice. that in common as well. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. Shout out to the Omegas. I, I, I've uh, They've invited me with open arms several times. Uh, to speak, okay. you know, to to the Omegas, a uh, great yes. group of guys. I really appreciate Shout them. Shout out to the press. Shout out to the press. And, uh, you know, with that in mind, we'd like to have you back sometime also, you know, Archie. Absolutely. Absolutely. You just let me, you just say when. I'm there. Okay. So thanks, everybody, for, for joining us. Uh, again, it's been a very special episode of Music and Medicine, and, and stay tuned uh, for the next uh, rendition. So thanks for, for having us and, and to your homes. Thank you. Nice. Thank you, blessings. Guys. Blessings. <laughs>